I don't strive for balance anymore per se or 50-50. What I'm trying to strive for is harmony where I set days that are for work, sometimes even power working where it's 12 to 16 hour days and then weekends or a day or two for my kids. What is up fam? This is your host, May Bornilio, and welcome to the Scale on Socials podcast, the show for social media managers and service providers who want to grow a profitable online business. This is a space where you learn how to sign clients, bring in more income, and make more impact. All these without complicated tech or complex funnels. Instead, we'll go with simple yet powerful methods that you can use right now. Over the past years, I've grown from charging $2 per hour into growing my flagship program, helping service providers hit five dollars to $10,000 cash months, all through socials. Social media can change your life if done right. And I am here to share with you the best lessons I've learned in this journey in hopes that it can help yours too. Let's get into the goods of today's podcast. All right. Guys, welcome to today's session. I am super excited to have you here today. Shane is a mom of two. She's also an amazing single mom who's juggling all the things in the world. Other than that, well, she has taken her design of the life that she wanted to do and built her business that way. And that is really one of the interesting things that I wanted to bring to you today. Shane, welcome to, I call it the walk going behind the scenes, taking a look at the journey. Can you tell us about everything about you? Tell us about you, when and how the business. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. And, you know, just to be here and to be able to share my story, it's, it's a big honor for me. So, first of all, thank you. And a lot of people would not know this about me, but I'm actually a certified public accountant by profession. I graduated last 2019, and I hated the job like i hated everything about it i was dragging myself to work every day i tried from private to government to the academe and i just knew in my heart that it was not for me and so when my husband died in 2019 and i was already freelancing on the side but it was more of a part-time gig for me it wasn't anything serious but then i knew that if i continue to be in the accounting world like I would grow old, lifeless, <laughs> I would die. and I would die before my death, right? So I took this leap of faith, and anyways, we had so much debt because of what happened to my husband. He was sick, and I took this leap of faith, and I said that I'm going to burn this accounting bridge for once and for all, right? And it was so scary to do that. I felt like I was coming out of a closet. I felt like it was telling that to my parents, like, Mom, I'm not going to do accounting anymore because she was still pushing me for government positions. I had regular government positions waiting for me, like literally literally waiting for me to say yes. And then I said no to all of that because like in my mind, like when would this debt end? Like when would I be financially free? Because I have millions of debt in my hand. And even if there's so-and-so big income with the government, I just can't see myself breaking free from all of those problems. And so I took the leap of faith in 2019. And then I started freelancing. I was already in the world of social media content and repurposing before it became a mainstream thing. Like, who knew it would be mainstream, yeah. right? Today that I have uh, an agency, I have 10 people um, working with me. I have an amazing team. And yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's a lot to absorb. And 
I, I want to go back into that transition because you were telling us, you know, these are circumstances that you did not really foresee and then it happened. You had to handle it. You have to roll with it. Now, I'm just imagining and I couldn't even imagine how much courage it had to take when you were at the situation where you're like, I don't want to do the previous job anymore. Yeah. There was a ton of risk. That was massive risk that you handled there. My first question in that sense is, when did you feel that it was time to jump despite the massive risk? When even the risk, you know, wasn't wasn't even a risk anymore. I feel like it's not even a risk anymore because when I felt like staying in the same position was riskier than taking the leap of faith. Because we already know what happens when you work in the government, right? Nothing bad about them. Some people choose to be there and that's fine. But like, it's just that for me, it, I already knew that it's not for me. Looking at the lives of all the accountants and all the other, you know, that have worked in there, have retired. It's not just the kind of life that I envision and I would want for myself, especially for my two kids that I don't have a husband anymore. So it became clear to me that it's actually riskier to stay in that job than to take the leap of faith because the rewards are just, you know, it's so imbalanced. Exactly. So the drive was way stronger than the risk. And it, it was a clear, it's an obvious choice then. So that leads me into what are the first few steps that you've taken when you entered this? It's a whole new world because you weren't there before. Like it's a whole new shift. What were the first few steps that you've taken and how did you manage the uncertainty? And I would say, I don't know if you would call it fear, but there is that amount of underlying I don't know how this is gonna be. First few steps and how did you manage the emotions going into that direction? I just started dealing with what I knew. And I didn't buy a course. You were the first course that I bought. Like I invested in a course for the first time and it's with OBS. Because I have always been the thing with me is because I've always been very self aware. And um, I've always knew what I wanted and what I didn't want, and probably somehow also what I needed. And when I started, it really just was with what I know, offering clients with what I know. And ever since, I guess one thing about me that made me survive a lot of things is I work back a lot. Like I reverse engineer a lot of stuff, right? And you teach this too. And so, I started in Upwork, and I didn't know what was there. I didn't know what the, the available job, etc. And so what I did was I first looked at the available jobs on the platform. What are the clients looking for? And then, oh, so this I could do, this mm -hmm. I could do. Okay. And then, so what exactly are they looking for for a freelancer who could do that job? And then they, some of them listed platforms in the jobs, what you need to know, what you need to have, the character that you need to have. Is this for me? Is it not for me? And then I checked freelancers within the platform too. Like, what did they tell about themselves that made wow. them like, you know, especially the top rated one. And so a lot of the things in my life I did with just reverse engineering. And then I just modeled that. And then I started getting clients, but also still anchored and grounded on what can I confidently deliver and what do I know that I could do for others. And so it just really started with social media content. The very, very first thing was, because all I knew was in accounting, was data entry. And then because of taking initiatives mm. to like 
you have to grow too, right? It's not data entry forever. And so I said to a friend, oh, I know how to do this, and I know I could handle that. And so I was always, like, pushing myself forward, and I was taking initiatives and presenting myself as someone who could do more. And so I started to do more, and that's when, you know, I came into the social media world, and, um, yeah, that's how it all evolved. What I'm getting from this is really the confidence and everything that you're doing, what got you here is all, I think, massively because of the experience and the courage to jump into it, even if it is, you know, even if it's not something you've done before. So a message that I always like to emphasize is that the process is not complicated. It's simple. But simple is not synonymous as easy. So I feel like the process-wise, sometimes it's challenging. It's difficult. You have to acquire skills. You have to deal with clients. But it is not complicated. What I want to say is that so many new freelancers now building their own businesses, they feel like they have to buy countless courses when the truth is they have to put into action what they already know instead of looking for the next course to purchase. Because a lot of things are free online. It feels so good to... To be going to another course, it makes you feel dizzy when, in fact, it's probably not moving the needle. So, must be a hard truth for some others out there, but that's reality. <laughs> she just said it. I didn't have to. <laughs> this is so true. This is so true. And I want to say this over and over. I did not purchase a course the moment I started. When I started, I've taken a look at, I'm in Dubai and I started on site. And I said, how are social media happening currently and what can I do? So I did not take a course to upskill. The skills was coming from, I'm freaking scared, but I'm going to do your social media. And I'm going to learn the course that I've taken. The first big investment that I did was a lot about how do I bring this skill to people and personally brand myself. But the message I want to emphasize really is that Wherever you are right now, if you even if you don't have the money to invest yes. yet, yes. you can get started. Yes, amen. Hands down, yeah. Nothing stopping. <laughs> yeah, I hope that message was, was received by our audience. Okay, my next question, Shane, is what were the biggest challenges that you faced along the way as you started growing? I'm going to go into the vision later on, but I want to know about, you know, the challenges that you had to navigate throughout. Um, first of all, Closing clients, I guess, was the first one. And finding clients who are long-term. Because when you're a freelancer and projects end, it gives this level of anxiety where you have this feast and famine cycles within your year. And like, yes, it's normal in a business to have feast and famine. And all you have to do is to financially manage yourself and your business. But still, every time it happens, like when a project ends, or if a client suddenly decides that I don't need your services anymore, it brings you back into that level of doubt, probably, and even imposter syndrome, where could I actually do this or could I really do this? Because as I evolved coach, I was in web design. I tried branding. Just because when you're a multi-passionate and you feel like you could do a lot of things, you try to offer a lot of things too. Mm. And that was part of my journey Yeah. until I bumped into this whole content repurposing where I finally said to myself that this is going to be my thing. The problem with me is I'm creative, but technically, I'm not to the level where I could turn you into an avatar. Like, girl, no. Like, <laughs> I can't do that. 
And I also can't do this like wild video effects where something would like, you know, I don't know, be destroyed at your background and you're still alive walking and you know, all these fancy things. It brought so much imposter syndrome in me. And when I was doing websites, like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but it looks good. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then when I found social media content and repurposing, the skills were basic. I could wow my clients. It's like I finally found my home, right? But I wouldn't be here if I didn't take that journey of discovering all those like scary things. The biggest challenge for me was finding this home and actually like embracing it, knowing that what my skills are, where my level is. And I would always ask myself, do I still want to learn more about this? For example, with branding and with web design. And the answer was no. I said, okay, let's select it. So I guess the hardest part was accepting and knowing when to pivot. I guess that's it during the entire journey up until now. Yeah, because now we are being fed with a ton of things online. There's like so many things that seem to be the most profitable. If you're not careful, you don't, you don't focus, you get a redirection that is not needed. So I think it is our responsibility as entrepreneurs, especially we're exposed online, to keep what we receive to limit the influence that we allow into our lives. And that could mean muting people. That could mean stopping, you know, unsubscribing from someone's newsletter. If something doesn't serve you and if something you, you feel like it's not putting you into the right direction, then I think we must take accountability to protect what comes into our mind. Shiny object syndrome. And everyone is selling something. Yeah. I think it's a bad thing. It's just that you don't need everything that's being sold online. And you don't have to sell everything as well. You don't have to buy everything. You don't have to buy everything. Shane, you have stuck with your niche. And yes. I say niche, the expertise, the service, right? And you're here, you're mastering it. Are there conscious efforts to get rid of this imposter syndrome? Are there things that you say, you know, I'm not going to consume that or I'm going to do this to stay on track? Are there conscious efforts Before, on that? Yes. Like, for example, when I joined your course i said that i would not enroll in any other course because i would want to consume the course all throughout and then like right now what's nice is instead of me saying no to a lot of stuff of course i say no i, I say no to cohorts because it's so time consuming when everything is live right but i say yes right now to courses and then i learn with a lens and what I mean by that is I learn with the lens of content repurposing and social media. And what can I learn from this that would still anchored on my content repurposing service? But then what can I learn from this that will make this better? I'm not learning copywriting to sell copywriting and then to be a copywriter and, you know, also compete with yeah. this coach and whatnot yeah. and to be a freelancer in copywriting niche. No, I'm learning copywriting to be better at content repurposing, which actually helped me a lot. And that's I'm learning a lot of stuff, but I bring them back to my service. I guess that's, that's a difference now because I now have a focus. I'm learning everything, but with a different lens. And then also protecting my own space that unless it's really something that I would want to be in that community, build network around that person, then I would probably buy a cohort. But if not, then I'm just into mm -hmm. online courses and like, you know, self-paced. So yeah. Hey, hey, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I know that many of you who listen to the Scale on Socials podcast are also entrepreneurs. So I recorded a free masterclass where I explained step-by-step 
how I sign premium clients for my social media agency month after month. The same strategies and systems, you guys, helped me make a full-time income as a business owner and have more time to travel around the world and be with my family. That's the best thing about it. I will leave the link in the show notes so you can watch it for free. Now back to the episode. Yeah. Consume it on your own time. I will now move into a bit more on the personal side because I think a lot of new people in my community were excited for this because they know that you're not just a business owner. You are a mom first and foremost. Tell me about the vision and the lifestyle that you had in mind. The vision has always been to be a present mom, to be a present millionaire mom. That's always been what I wanted. And that was probably because I grew up with a workaholic mom and no I no resentment anymore with my mom. I killed a lot, but I also understand that our parents did not have the same level of opportunity that we have right now to work flexible hours, to work from home. You know, they just did what they had to do. But then because I was with a workaholic mom and a seafarer dad, so basically there wasn't any like stream level of parenting or you know, everyone's always at work or doing something else. That gave me a dream that I would want to work at home with my kids. I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom fully, though. I knew that I would still need to find money. I was always a career woman. And so the dream was to be present for my kids, to be a stage mother at whatever they do, and earn really well. And like right now, part of my dream is dreaming for my team, right? To get to a point where I could afford to pay six figures, like a C-suite level executive, six figures, and to have profit sharing and whatnot. But basically, it's all still grounded on just being at home, being present with my kids, and earning and affording the lifestyle that I, I know that they deserve and we deserve as a family. I love that. What does balance and success mean to you? I have to redefine balance for me to be able to not feel guilty and ashamed with the way I live my life. Because really, my my life is like 80% work. And, you know, so, and so if I would define my life to be balanced as every day I give 50% of work and every day 50% for family, then I would really feel bad as a mom because I would never be able to achieve that. I tell this to my kids, like, this is mm-hmm. the season that we have to embrace. I'm a single mom. I'm working and I'm alone. I'm alone, I have to provide for the family, and I have to be present. So what I strive for right now is harmony. And that means like in a song, right? It would be boring if a song only has one note because it's balanced. There has to be these highs and these lows. And so what I tell my kids was there will be days when we will meet at bedtime and I would even be probably tired at bedtime. And you know, we don't get to talk at all. But then I promise you that there would be days when it would be just us who would have vacations. And that's something that we are starting to afford because of, you know, just making the intentional decision to live that kind of life. And, yeah, I don't strive for balance anymore, per se, of 50-50. What I'm trying to strive for is harmony, where I set days that are for work, sometimes even power working, where it's 12 to 16 hour days, and then weekends or a day or two for my kids where you become totally present. So... Um, yeah, no more balance. No balance, harmony. I, I love that. I so love that. What are the non-negotiables that are at the forefront of the way you work? Like, say, for example, for me, one of my non-negotiables is fast, 
6 p.m. I do the best that I can to not work anymore. That's just something that makes me feel a little bit better every single day that I have my evenings for my partner. Another non-negotiable that I have is I take a day within the week where as much as I'd love to jump in my laptop, I try not to. Do you have these things when it comes to you making sure that, you know, you're within the vision of how you built this business in relation to your family, yep. family time, quality moments? My non-negotiable is we go to bed together with my kids as much as I can. There is one day a week where I have a client meeting that, you know, I have to be there and it's 11 p.m. our time. But the rest of the week mm. is 10 p.m. that time. And, you know, my kids, they wouldn't even sleep right away. Our bonding is actually conversations because my kids, their love language is on with words and, you know, talking. And so we have this conversation every night. So that's one. We set a time to talk. And then my non-negotiables, of course, is I'm always there during Taekwondo. And now we started Kumon, like, as if I have a lot of time. <laughs> I, I promised myself that I would be a stage mom. I'm there at every single competition, and that's what I do. I'm, I'm even present during practice. Like, I don't work at all. Like, in that one hour and a half, I try to be present because I want to be able to relate. Like, what kind of kick is this? What kind of strategy is this? And then we even play at home. I would post that on my stories where they would practice at home, and me and my sister would also play. And I want to be a part of that Taekwondo life. I don't want to be the kind of mom who would bring them to Taekwondo and then go back to work. So it, it's as if I'm also in training because I'm so attentive to the coach. It feels like I'm more attentive than they are. And then at home, we would talk about this. They go to competitions. I get to practice with them. I get to teach them because I watch on YouTube and then I'm, I'm the coach. And so I want to be a part of that life. That's like a non-negotiable for me. I want to be a part of that part of their lives that we have something in common that we could relate to each other. And then, of course, one day a week where there really is no laptop and no work. So, yeah, that's for me. Hi, I love that you are very involved. And I salute you. I also grew up with my mom running a business, my father working. And so I, I definitely know how it feels. And also, like, I have a 16-year gap between me and my older brother. So I'm like, I feel like I'm not in the right generation i feel like i shouldn't be in this family sort of because like mm -hmm. everyone's moving ahead with their That's lives fine. and i'm stuck in so i knew how it felt when you wanted to talk about something but they couldn't get it and let me tell you that means a lot kids carry that forward it's um, a bubble right like it has, as they say it does it's a bubble it's it's sort of a wall i would say because then I started thinking, and I'm just going back into the child version of me, where I started thinking, ah, oh, it's not so useful to talk about it anyway, because you wouldn't be able to advise me about it anyway, because you don't understand. That was what is in my head. I had to heal that over the years as an adult. So I'm so amazed, and hats off to you for this effort, because this is something your kids are going to take with them. You're coaching your team, you're coaching your kids, you're running the business, you're running the competition, <laughs> like everything. And this is not as this is not an easy job. My next question would be, are there big decisions to pave way for this kind of lifestyle in business? I remember you mentioning, it's clear to me I'm not going to have an office. It's clear to me my team is going to be remote. These things stuck with me. I want to know about it. I always had this idea 
I don't know because maybe the people around me, the proof that I have around me was people who had agencies but who had offices. There was no other proof that my dream was possible. And I was like, maybe having an agency is not for me because the reason why I quit my job was to have freedom. And then here's me starting an agency and putting up an office. Like, I don't want to think about a Domex or a toilet cleaner that's like, you know, running out. and You know, all these little things. So for the longest time, I was rejecting offers here and there. I was rejecting job invitations. I was earning fine because I had this belief. And then I had this client who is a coach and is running a 30-people team all remotely. And I was like, wow, so that means that's possible. That's why it's so important for us to share our story because we really never know whose minds we're going to open, right? And that became my thing too. And I also had this like belief that I'm not a good leader. Ever since I was a kid, I, so I was highly introverted. Not so much right now because I've had the social skills. But I'm highly introverted. And so as a kid, I would shy away. And people would always say, oh, that kid is aloof. Or, you know, I'm always the one who's like maldita. And people would, would misunderstand me mm. just for the way I am, that I didn't want to mingle or socialize. And so I had that ingrained in me so much that I'm not good with people. I might not be a good leader. I had that thing that I will not be a good leader because I'm not good with people. And even before I started freelancing, I was in network marketing. And I felt like I wasn't a good leader because I was so impatient. Like if someone doesn't get what I'm talking about, I'm always pissed or upset. So this is not going to work for me, you know. But then here's also a good thing. because I found someone who is a business owner and who treats their people badly. And I'm like, I have the purest mm. intentions for people and I may not be perfect. But here I am saying to myself that I'm mm. not a good leader and look at this guy, you know, treating people badly. And that's what's also, maybe this could work for me. And also looking like ahead, if I want to scale something, if I want to scale this business, there really is no way that I would not hire someone. So I will just have to face it. I will just have to learn it, the communication, the people management skills, whatever skills that I would have to learn. I would just have to stuck at first and to learn it along the way. And I embraced that too. And that's why I'm here. So there were like a good example and a bad example, right? And it's always how we perceive things. And so that's why I now have a team of 10 people with me. Amazing. You've always been, bring it to me. I've learned it and I will nail it. And then you have been forging your own path ever since. And I think that's one of the most important skills is to really be willing to suck at it first because you know you're going to learn it anyway. There's nothing that we cannot learn. Like everything is learnable. In running a team, growing an agency of multiple people, you're not together physically. How do you make sure that the people are still very much anchored into the business, that you have the loyalty, that they love working for you? What have you learned as a leader so far at well, this stage? I love this quote that I read somewhere. Something like, train your people so good that they could leave you, but treat them so well that they would choose not to. And so with my team, I'm really just winging it, to be honest. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing yet. But the four of us, before I hired the six others, the, there were just four of us, right? And then we met in Manila 
just this month. And then we went on, you know, trip. We went to Ocean Park. I treated them, and it was like our first team building. We played escape room and whatnot. And so I have always shared my vision, though, even when there was just four of us. Like, this is where I see this company going. This is our goal for for this year. I even shared that we want to hit this level of clients. We want to hit this level of income. Just so they know that we wouldn't be stuck in this capacity or team. Like, this is not just a small thing for me. We are small now. But the reason why I share my vision to them is because I want them to feel that we will be growing someday. And I'm not just dreaming for myself because genuinely, I am also dreaming for them. I mentioned earlier that I dream of being able to afford to pay them my own CC six figures a month. And so that's something that I'm also planning and wanting to do. And so they know that if they just, you know, hang in there, we will grow together. And I guess they also feel that I'm taking care of them because I'm paying them fairly. This year, we are having HMO for all full-time employees. And so they know that I'm not unfair and I'm not someone who would just, you know, be greedy and take everything and just give crumbs to them. So I feel that they also feel that. And also with the way we talk and we communicate, it's always just standard. But at the same time, I check them uh, how they are and all this stuff. We, we have these kinds of conversations, even if we were just four that time. And so I guess it helps to build the culture too. Sometimes it's scary when you feel like you don't want to share because you don't want them to expect or you don't want to overpromise. But it also gives them hope and it also helps them to dream with you and pray with you, pray for you, for the company that they're working for. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. It's really... Yeah human to human you know you want them to love your business they will never love your business a, a thousand percent yeah. like you because it's not their business that's the first thing so like i feel so grateful for team members i don't call my people employees i call them team members i'm so grateful when they're giving me 70 percent because a lot of people are just going to work giving 50 percent they're giving me 70 i'm lucky and it's that loyalty comes from understanding that they're being seen. You hear them, you see them, you treat them as family. And I think one quote that years ago I heard, take care of your people and they'll take care of your business. And I think that has stuck with us since because it's true. We are not ego on the door. We're not going to be able to scale if we're not willing to delegate. We're not going to be able to scale if we want to control and manage everything. And that's something that I have yeah. to like learn. Yeah, well, if we're all in a journey. And we want things to be the best for our clients. And that's where this the micromanagement is coming from. But I really think there's so much more for everyone around. There's so much more for everyone at the table. The, the clients, the money, the time. And I think if they're happy, then they'll keep the loyalty. And that's what we really just need as a group. I have my last question, which I know has been anticipated by people who've been waiting for this, is that there's so many moms out there. They are feeling like the success might not be as available to them as to others who are not running a business. They don't have all the time in the world. I know that it's an absolute lie because I have seen you slay it. I've seen a ton of women slay it. Let's talk more about how much success is available for each of us in our unique situation. What would you tell moms who are still in a mind space of this might be harder for me because I'm a mom, I have a ton of responsibility. I've always had that 
comments where good for you because you have this and you have that or good let's for example good for you you have a supportive family good for you i don't know whatever good for you they have or like good for you you only have two kids i have four you know so as a mom i feel like our kids should be our reason and not be our excuse because a lot of moms use their kids as an excuse this would really sting a bit but this is true because for our lack of success it's always easier to blame it on something and i even seen it in my mom mom why are you in so much debt etc because i have you kids and i'm like oh, no <laughs> now that i'm older i'm like hey, maybe not maybe that was your choice and so I'm, i'm sure i'm sure she's not alone there must be a lot of moms out there where you would use your kids to justify your financial situation i can't do this because i have my kids i can't do that instead of saying that let us reframe that conversation into i must do this because i have kids it's like you would actually have no other choice but to succeed because you have kids you now have kids looking at you looking at your choices looking at your the decisions that you make the actions that you take and every single day i wake up and when my kids see me work i tell myself that i have to prove to them that when you dream of something you are able to achieve that that when you go for something you are able to achieve that goal be achieved and my daughter would always say yeah mom except for weight loss and i'm like girl <laughs> okay fine you not yet not yet for weight loss but let's just talk about money and so yeah it's scary it's scary to put yourself out there but the rewards are endless and my motivation every day for waking up is really just my kids and also because i also reframed my mindset there everything is my fault which means that if everything is my fault and i have a bit of control of everything then that means that i'm able to change my life sometimes even if a situation isn't entirely my fault I asked myself how did I contribute to that situation what was my goal for that to be able to happen it probably because I allowed that to happen I gave too much complacency or you know what whatever it is I always assess myself as to what is my role in this and because when you have that self awareness you're able to change your life you are able to take the power and to turn your life around because it's all your fault And so if it's your fault and you ask yourself why is this my fault oh because i don't do that anymore or maybe next time we do something entirely different so you get an entirely different result as well so yeah like just changing the mindset and then changing what you say to yourself it actually be it starts from there so all single moms can do it even if i don't know no matter how many kids they have <laughs> I love that. Alina said, "I have four kids, and it's totally possible. Hard, yes, but worth it. Totally." I read this passage in a book that said, "Moms are one of the people who have been breaking human limits." If you ask normally a person, "Can you survive every single day sleeping with three, four hours only?" You would normally say, "No, that's unhealthy." A few weeks. And you're gonna get sick. You're not. But mothers have proven that it is possible because you don't have a choice, right? When you give birth, you have to stay awake because you're you have to attend to your kid. And that is just one of the thousands of limits that have been stretched because of mothers. And I hold that dear to my heart because I know that so many of 
my audience of people who are dreaming bigger right now are moms who are feeling weight. There's something better. There's a better perspective for me. And I want to open that conversation more as we go and grow our businesses and share our stories more. Yeah. You I have just been want to share one thing. That the advantage if you're, if you're a single mom, it's difficult. But you know what? You don't need to ask permission from anyone. Because sometimes, you know, husbands could be, no, I don't support this. Or you just have wife duties. I said to my psychiatrist before, like, it's hard to be a single mom. And she said exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah, but it's also hard to be a wife. When you have duties to your kids and you have duties to your husband and then you have duties for your career or your business. And so this would probably sound toxic positivity to others. But look at it as a perspective where you don't have to ask permission from anyone. You make the decisions. You call the shots now. And if you want to start a business, work on the side or whatever, then you could definitely do it. Just all you have to do is to take action. That's what we all needed to hear. Shane, I cannot thank you enough for the wisdom, for the vulnerability, for everything you've shared today. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you, too, for having me and for giving me a platform to share my story. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. You have no idea. I will dig out so much more of that story. You wait. I'm working on it. We need this conversation. You understood that you can build an agency remotely because you saw someone do it. And I cannot imagine the amount of people who would be able to say, wow, I can do that. Even if I'm a single mom, even if I have four kids right now, even if, even if, even if. So these stories have to be shared. And I'm so grateful that I have you today. Again, thank you so much. Can you tell us a bit about what you do and where can people find you? So I'm a content repurposing strategist for personal brands. And that means I turn podcasts, YouTube videos, live recordings, and whatnot of the whole you know, long-form content stuff into small bite-sized pieces that are short-form videos that you would see on Reels, TikToks, YouTube Shorts. So that's exactly what I do for my clients. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Shane Denise. It's very simple. Same on Facebook. And we probably have a website soon, but it's on the work. So my company is called Limelight Digital. And you'll find us soon at limelightdigital.com. I love it. Thank you, Shane. And big love. I will see you soon. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Bye. Bye. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Scale on Socials podcast, the show for action takers who are ready to turn their goals into reality. If you found value in this and would like to work closely with me and my team and learn how to sign premium clients online, here's what you have to do. Go to my Instagram at Make It Happen, that is spelled as at M A E K I T Happen, and send me a DM with the word OBS. That's letter O B S. My aim is to help social media managers and service providers turn your skills into an actual profitable business. We will teach you the strategies, the steps, and the tools that you need so you can be consistent in getting high quality clients and serve them with confidence. Again, head over to my Instagram at Make It Happen and DM me the word OBS and we will have a quick chat to see whether or not I can help you scale online. All right, I'll speak with you soon and don't forget, we have one life. Live it to your best today. Bye.